Shouldn't you be at work? It's a lovely chip! Oh, it's a brilliant goal from Lord Bohinen! Still, it's not away. Southgate shot. Milosevic scores. DPR could do with a bit of magic from him. Maybe this is it. It is! Andy Sinton from nothing. Power on it whatsoever, but Taibi has made a horrendous error. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, it hasn't. No. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? We're back with another episode. I'm Chris Skoll. Joining me, as always, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And thank you to Mark Phillips for today's intro. Let's be having you, Gary Pallister. It's Michael Marden. Hello. Are we having that one? Not, not, not great, that one. No? No. <laughs> no. It's a shame. <laughs> I, I like him when they're terrible, actually. The Fair more enough. awful they are, the better. Well, the, here we are. Gary Pallister, still not being a guest. He feels like an obvious booking, but one day, one day. Now, should we get straight on with it? Let's have some correspondence. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Post Bag. You've got mail. All right, correspondence. We spoke a lot about player cam during the World Cup specials. We had a couple of emails about player cam. Um, this one's from Richard Young. By the way, when you say we spoke a lot about during the World Cup specials, every time I have no memory of speaking about it. <laughs> Is it to kind of protect your psyche? You've just forgotten all that stuff because of the heartbreak? No, no, I don't know. I, I just... It it does feel like a lifetime ago. Yeah. But there we go. Um, So this is from Richard Young. Enjoyed the references to player cam in the the World Cup specials. He says, I have this memory of player cam following someone who got subbed and the camera just remained on him, (laughs) sat on the bench for ages. I'm sure it happened. (laughs) We can't find any evidence of this. Stop, stop, stop. You've got to play in the Do You Remember This Right? Let's, let's just play it in now. We've, we've, we've missed the chance. Let's let's play it in. At this point, this has got to be the Do I Remember This Right? Yeah, it theme. is. And it's even the title of the email. I've really messed this up. It is a Do I Remember This Right? Correct here, categorization. Here, here's, here's the jingle. Here's the jingle. Do I remember this right? 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 Right. Right. Back to the email. Does he remember this right? Does anyone remember this right? Is that is that all the info he's got? It can't all the be info, true. All the info. It can't be true. <laughs> surely, surely Sky are agile enough to change that, aren't they? Well, look, just let's leave that one there. Got another do I remember this right from Dave Matheson. He remembers the play, player cam, he thinks, the first time it, it was ever shown was Ipswich versus Manchester City. Manchester City needed to win to stay in contention and not be relegated. The, the final player believe. cam, the Are final you, player cam of the game I, with 15 minutes left, was, according to him, Manchester City manager Joe Royal, who had to watch <laughs> on with uh, City one 0 up, had to watch as it switch equalised through Matt Holland, and then Martin Royce has scored the winners for the Tractor Boys in the 85th minute. So in the 15 minutes, Joe Royal was on player cam. They went from winning oh, to drawing wow. to losing. I, Finally, relegation. Uh, he, Two weeks later, he was sacked. Does anyone remember? Manage a player cam. That's brilliant. That's a great decision. I I struggle to believe that's the first player cam for the simple reason that it would be mad to bring it in on the last day of the season. <laughs> I can sort of believe the um, the substitute one, but I think I can imagine the gallery doing it deliberately as a bit of fun. I find the manager one quite difficult to believe, um, and I also think there would we would have seen footage of this at some point. Like somebody somewhere would have it recorded and it would have made it out there into the ether. Do you think you know when you're on player cam? Do you think... <laughs> Probably not. The ref, the ref comes over and goes, there's, there's oh, just, just sitting there, you're on player cam. <laughs> Don't think you know so, you're on player cam. Yeah, yeah. And also the manager, that's, that's a risky... I mean, that is just expletive-filled for 15 <laughs> minutes, surely. I think the managers are always on player cam. Not in the edit, but if you see a goal... It will. You'll see the manager's reaction. So there must be a camera on the managers at all times. Yeah, that's a good. Point. Yeah, like there there must be a camera on each dugout for the whole match. What a wait! What a waste! Of, I mean, that cameraman, the cameraman's job on that. What's my what's what's my job today? Just stick your camera on Joe Royal. 
and we'll see you full time. <laughs> How boring. Uh, you'd go insane. Yeah. Do you know what I'd love is a day out. I've always thought a really skilled job is the photographer and where they sit and where they call it. And it must be, it's quite a psychological game because you're looking at all your mates, which end are you going to go at? Are you going to go at the, all these kind of things. And also you've got to stay calm, sat next to the goal with the ball absolutely flying about. And you've just got to sit there with your camera. I, you don't really ever think about those those stills, cameraman, that sit behind the goal and around the goal, and what a skill that is. I, I was always fascinated by how much of their work ever gets used. Very little. They're probably firing off thousands, thousands yeah. of pictures a game. Some of them do get used. Having sitting near West Ham social media, I get I see the feeds coming. What's interesting is that now, of course, in the like the nineties, they would take the picture probably have it developed and then it would get shared around news desks the fastest turnaround on that would probably be that evening i guess but now it's like they instantly take the pictures and they're instantly available for the world's media if you've got the right kind of subscription here's a question was there a dark room at major football grounds (laughs) (laughs) in the 90s did they Anyone has ever asked on this podcast? That is absolutely appalling. Well, what else are you doing? What next to the home and away dressing room? Where are you developing that? Yeah. Where are you developing your photos? I suppose. What would have happened? Like, surely... You're at Anfield (laughs) for a Champions European Cup game in 1983, and you're taking photos that need to be in the paper the next day. Where are you developing them? They're getting bi- the biking the film around? Not like, for a late kickoff. Yeah. Not such a stupid question after but all. I guess, do you know what? There probably just wasn't pictures. There probably just wasn't pictures. Like, you'd probably get, get on a Sunday paper, you'd probably get pictures of the three o'clocks, wouldn't you? But well, yeah. there, wasn't a, there wasn't an evening kickoff. It's so difficult. It's so difficult to comprehend a world before the internet. That I know. Even though we lived in it, I get, it's yeah. almost impossible to comprehend the logistics of a world before the internet to the point where you imagine a photographer of the football and it blows my mind to try and think about how he'd get his photos in the newspaper. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Facts. No, but then they used to phone their match reports through. That's always the maddest. They used to yeah. phone their match reports through. And read out their copy for it to be typed read up. Read out their copy. What a world. That's mad, isn't it? But I, I'm quite... Do you know what part of me is like quite attracted to that world? Like you know the, the yeah, smoke, the smoky, you know the brown overcoat, smoky kind of present. Yeah. Well, here's a here's a thing. I've always wondered, like, do do journalists really need to go to games anymore? Can you watch it on the telly? Do you need to go to write up a match report? Is it that difference in quality? Oh my word! I've got to apologise to Dave Matthewson. The Joe Royal wasn't the first. That match wasn't the first. I've actually had an email from Joe oh. Tennant who claimed. I've got it mixed up. Joe Tennant says the first was the Charity Shield in 2000 between Man yeah. United and Chelsea. That and figures. he says, makes more sense. Apologies. And he says the first ever player to be chosen as the subject of player cam was United's brand new signing. Any, any guesses, Michael? In what? 2000. 2000. Bartes. Bartes. Fabian oh. Bartes. Great show. Was, according to Joe Tennant, the first subject... Of player cam. 15 minutes watching a goalkeeper. But I think a goalie's quite an interesting one. I'd be interested to see what they're getting up to. Yeah, so certainly someone like Bartes, who is kind of notoriously slightly eccentric. The level of concentration I'd be interested in. Like, how diligently are they watching the game? Yeah. Do you want one more piece of correspondence? Yeah, one Time more. For one more? Thank you to everybody who sent this in. I'll just name a few. Patrick Howard, Andrew Mash, Mark Swino, Peter Perea. There's loads of people sent this in. Quick little name check for everyone who did. But uh, Manchester United's Christmas gifts, approximately 1992. Interviewed for the programme as to what they all wanted for Christmas. And now I can reveal what they were all after. There you go. I've just sent it across. Obvious one to start with. What does Peter Schmeichel want for Christmas? Ten days off. Ten days off. Brian McClare. Oh, my word. These are unbelievable. A pre-season fitness pill. (laughs) Does anyone want real things? Brian Giggs, a BMW convertible. Yeah, there we go, a classic. Look at Lee Martin's all Michael Bolton's videos. Is that a joke? (laughs) Probably not around then. Fraser Digby. 
<laughs> Portable telephone so my wife can keep in touch while I'm away on loan. Bit of fun. <laughs> Eric Cantona, the hope that everyone receives the present of their choice. Such a philosophical man, isn't he? Dennis Irwin, a week's golf yeah. in the west of Ireland. Oh, yeah. On brand. On, on brand, brand for Irwin. Gary Walsh, a money tree for our back garden. It must be even more galling that he just missed out on the, the real the yeah, money days of the Premier League. Yeah, five more years, Gary, and there will be a money tree. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a real sort of mixture of playful, silly answers, real answers, and then some of them are just laced with a, a real sense of sadness and tragedy. Mike Phelan, score a goal for United at Old Trafford. <laughs> oh, God. Look how old Mike Phelan looks there. In my head, Mike Phelan's one of the Busby babes. I, I think my favourite is... I know what you're going to say. Uh, Brian Robson. Yes, Brian Robson, 100%. End to the recession. <laughs> Amazing that that's playing on his mind. No wonder he's... Well, as we established, he's had the same house since the 80s. So. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but Very in that case, financially he's not even thinking about selling. <laughs> just stick, just hold, hold on, Brian, because the next 20 years are going to go very well for your property, I imagine. Danny Wallace is my favourite. Yeah. To sit at the controls of Concord, like some kind of Make-A-Wish Foundation. <laughs> it feels like the, the more serious answers are the more successful players. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, so you, you have, Mark Hughes wants a miracle cure for greying hair. Why doesn't he dye his hair? <laughs> yeah, there's not a there miracle, is a miracle, miracle cure. It exists. Oh, poor old Sparky. Um, Gary Pallister wants to be let loose in to Thornton's toffee shop. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even on 92 Premier League wages, I think you can go loose in Thornton's yeah. toffee shop. Well, that's, that, that's, that's quite telling, isn't it? Like, Paul Park, uh, sorry, Russell Beardsmore and Clayton Blackmore, for example, have both asked for, for holidays. Surely Russell Beardsmore can afford a cruise in the Mediterranean, or Clayton Blackmore can go skiing in Austria. That isn't beyond the reach of a Premier League footballer. I think Clayton Blackmore wouldn't be allowed to go skiing in Austria contractually, maybe, because of injury. Can I ask a question? Say you were on a cruise in the Mediterranean and you saw yeah. Russell Beardsmore, would you say anything? No, I wouldn't recognise him. <laughs> well, wouldn't would you recognise him and would you approach him? Um, what, if I was on a cruise and I recognised <laughs> Russell Beardsmore, I don't know how. <laughs> Is that Russell Beardsmore? I don't know that I'd recognise Russell Beardsmore on a cruise if he had a 92 United shirt that said Beardsmore on the back. I'd, I'd still think it was a sad man that just was a fan of him rather than the actual Russell Beardsmore. Do you think you'd be more likely to recognise Russell Beardsmore on a cruise versus anywhere else? Well, I would now, yeah. It'd be so conspicuous. I, the mo where would you be most likely to think that was Russell Beardsmore? I think... I think it would have what to be context? like something that's like. So, without him being named, yeah. what was the context that you could think, I think that's Russell Beardsmore? I don't think there is one. For all the money in the world, I don't think it's happening. <laughs> the only, the only way about? is a 92 reunion where they've, they've all got the names on the shirt. And no, even no, then, no, even then the context is who's Beardsmore? Who's that? Did even get about the context that you're you're at Manchester United for some reason, and there's a youth team coach that looks like Russell Beardsmore? <laughs> Would you think that might be Russell Beardsmore? Well, the problem with that is I'd have to know what Russell Beardsmore looks like to begin with. <laughs> this is the problem we keep coming back to. So I just I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. How about you're doing the Manchester United Museum tour, and the guy giving the tour is referring to himself having played for Manchester United. <laughs> and he says, Hi, I'm your tour guide, Russell Beardsmore. I used to play, <laughs> I used to play for Man United. Enough of that. I think if he didn't give his name, but he told me he was in the first Manchester United Premier League winning squad. Unplaying member of. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm going to go, I'm really sorry, mate. <laughs> sorry, what was your name again? <laughs> And he's got the RB initials on his tracksuit. Yeah, even, even then, that, that, probably still not getting it. Ray, Brace, Ray Brown, a player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he only played once in the 91, three times in the 91, 92 season because he was a winger. See, Russell Beardsmore was a winger and he wasn't a good time to be a winger at the club with Kanchelski's gigs and sharp. Of course. Um, if you want to get in touch, this is how. 
Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Do you want to hear something interesting about Russell Beardsmore very quickly? <laughs> Before we bring on our guest. Always. I didn't realise, you know Fergie's fledglings? Yeah. I presume that was the class of 92. But Russell Beardsmore was part of the original Fergie's fledglings in the late 80s, who won the 1986 FA Youth Cup. Uh. Do you want to know who the original Fergie's fledglings were? Mark Robbins. Go on then. Lee Martin. Yeah, yeah. Mark Robbins. Tony Gill. David Wilson. Daniel Graham, Lee Sharp, and Giuliano Marionara. Not as good as a class of 92. Let's Not be a classic <laughs> team, was it? No. <laughs> I'd like to see that team face off against a class of 92. I think if they did, the commentators would have a nightmare. I, I think that's Russell Beardmore on the ball. But... <laughs> now, for our guest today, a legend of Quitley Kevin. He told the story about Cobra coming to his school, and to be honest, it's the story I... I retell the most in my life. Uh, he's done some great watch-alongs. And this is... Well, you'll hear because I don't want to ruin my opinion, but I, oh, I loved it. This is Ben Partridge on a documentary about Scotland at Euro 92. Welcome to Quickly, Kevin. Ben Partridge. Welcome back, Ben. Hiya, thanks for having me. We sent you on a mission to go back and watch The Squad, Scotland's Euro 92 travel diary. Did you enjoy it? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> That's exactly what we're looking for, really, isn't it? <laughs> it started off and I thought, this is really tedious, and I was quite angry yeah. at you in general. <laughs> and then there was one moment that I'm sure we'll get to where it just picked up in such a way. I don't know whether you know what I'm referring to. I think I probably do. Yeah, it's uh, just... Yeah, incredible we'll moment. Shall we sum up what it? I don't know what it. Did anyone research why this exists? So what it is? I'll say what it is, and then if anyone knows why it exists, it is an hour-long documentary, a behind-the-scenes of Scotland's build-up and Euro '92 campaign. But it's it's a puff piece done from inside, voiced over by the manager Andy Roxburgh, almost like his video diary, I suppose, to an extent, but not really. Um, why does it exist? What it's not on? Was it for TV? Was it a? Apparently, I, I read the released? YouTube comments, and a lot of people said they had it on VHS in Scotland. Right. So, is it, I think it was probably sold as a one-off. I like your use of puff piece. What <laughs> you wanted was like some proper journalism here, really interrogating what was going on. Well, I, I, I suppose I was comparing it to the Graham Taylor England one. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yeah. What I can't work out is the, the overall vibe of it. Not to give anything away, is quite positive, right? They're, it's, yeah. It's yeah. a nice watch because it's all very positive. Everyone's very happy most of the time. And, and I just totally bought into that. Like, that's what I really enjoyed about it is that it just felt like everyone really likes each other. Yeah. There's no Loved peril, it. really. Yeah. No, they, they, do, they do a really good job of making you forget that they're playing terribly. They're yes. not playing terribly. Then there you go. It's working. It's working. <laughs> two defeats in the first two games. Doing Against right. Holland and Germany, though. <laughs> like this is the attitude that's that has led Scotland to not win as many trophies as they have. No, I that's think... unfair. Their group, which I didn't realise at the time, because I was not overly familiar with Euro '92, let alone Scotland's journey, is. Holland are the reigning European champions, and Germany are the reigning world champions. Yeah, that it's is the, the biggest group of ever, definition of a group of death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and they play well against both of them. Yeah, they're and unlucky. Not, not, to, not to skip ahead, but the manager genuinely before Holland and Germany seems to think they might win. Like yeah, it's so positive. It's really to be to be applauded. I think. Well, he's the main lead, Andy Roxburgh, and. I loved him. Can I say as well that I didn't realise... Oh, no. You... I didn't realise Andy Roxborough was the manager. I thought it was Craig Brown until about halfway through. When one, yeah, of, one of my notes was, why is Craig Brown not saying anything? Like, isn't this a bit embarrassing that he's getting his assistant to do all the talking? <laughs> what is Craig Brown's role? I think he's got he's to be assistant. assistant manager, and then he gets right. promoted to manager after this, because he's the manager at Euro 96 and France 98. Because he looks older than Andy Roxburgh, though, you think he must be the senior partner because he's got grey hair. And... That's what I think. He, he looks like a teddy bear, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. Like... 
He's really like sweet and cuddly, Craig Brown, I think. I don't know. Are they footballers, Craig Brown and Andy Roxburgh? <laughs> they uh, must be. Craig Brown looks like uh, what I imagine if you went into like a Highlands hotel that's family run that only had four bedrooms. <laughs> I'd imagine he would be running it. Andy yes. Roxburgh, who's still with us. Andy Roxburgh, OBE. So he was a, a top-level footballer. Yeah, he's a footballer. Yeah, well, he's a footballer. As, as top-level as you can be when you spend most of your career at full Kirk. <laughs> yeah, 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 I said top level, but he, he's, he, he was a footballer for 14 years. That's, that's indisputable. <laughs> Craig, Craig Brown, Brown. looks like he, he makes a really good homemade sticky toffee pudding that you get when you arrive at the, at the B&B. <laughs> we like to do this for guests. Craig Brown's a CBE. What's better, CBE or MBE? CBE's the top one, I think. Commander oh, of the British Empire. Oh, so uh, he's, he's, he has jumped Andy Rock's brother. He has, yeah. <laughs> Craig Brown's footballing career is absolutely... I've got no idea who he played for. What was it? Give us a sense of what he did. Well, he did not appearances for Rangers. They did 14 appearances for Dundee and 17 for Falkirk. (laughs) He is... And then he got a job managing Clyde for nine years and then became the Scotland under-21 manager. Mm -hmm. He's still the Scotland under-21 manager during this documentary. So he's kind of... And then he gets the main job after this documentary. So he's kind of along for the ride, I suppose. Yeah. I've always had a disproportionate view of how big Craig Brown is in the football world. Preston and my second team, and when Craig Brown took over around about 2002, I was like, this is huge for Preston. This is enormous. Craig Brown is an international standard manager. (laughs) (laughs) I was really excited. I Craig Brown. Yeah. Andy Roxburgh felt like a a mover and a shaker to me. And that's... (laughs) And the moment when that happened was when he uh, speaking to the Scotland fans which uh, to use our catchphrase I'm sure we'll come to later and he said Bertie votes who I know from around the international scene and I just <laughs> yes, he, does. he said he says Bertie he's a pal of mine he's a pal of mine oh yes please yeah what did he do then Andy Roxburgh after managing Scotland Andy Roxburgh um, just enjoying his MBE no 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 oh wow he was appointed UEFA's first technical director in 1994 and held this position until 2012 what what could that job mean well, during his time at UEFA, Roxburgh set up the framework for the UEFA Convention on the Mutual Recognition of Coaching Qualifications. That's his so big deal. Just, he's a big deal. Is he? Yeah, yeah I'd say so. He is a big deal, yeah. Does that mean if you do your badges, you get a certificate signed by Andy Roxburgh? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. And, um, and uh, Craig Brown signed it below in yeah, smaller. Yeah, wit- Craig Brown will witness it. <laughs> Witnessed by Craig Brown. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about the documentary, which is narrated by Andy Roxburgh, who I think comes out of it incredibly well. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah I want him yeah. to be my dad a bit, you know? He's yeah. just so supportive and lovely. Yeah, I really And there's also a bit him. of a snark... There's, there is a snarky narration. It comes in the form of the subtitles that come along on the, on the, on the screen. <laughs> yes. We're, 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 like, Things they couldn't get Andy Roxburgh to say. to say. Like, Ali McCoy has been fishing all day, hasn't caught any fish. <laughs> just a weird <laughs> voice on the outside. Yeah, that, 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 those subtitles. But then the other side of those subtitles, which is one of my favourite details of it, it's basically just really forensic travel logistics and details. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so at times you get like 1445, the flight left uh, Brazil, uh, flight number FA140756. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We do not need this information. It's like whoever did the graphics is like obsessed with AA route planner. <laughs> it is astonishing. It's and they go really fast across the bottom of the screen, so you really have to try and keep up. The whole thing starts with a montage that I couldn't believe was still going on by the end of it. <laughs> it's it's so, long. so long. It's four minutes long. And the song's got false endings. Yeah. So you keep <laughs> It's about two minutes into the montage, and I was like, this has been going on a bit. And then the beat dropped, and I was like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) At at best, we're only halfway. They've decided on on the song. It sort of ties in, because they go to America to train before the the tournaments. They've gone for, like, some American music. So it's kind of like a kind of, like a Bon Jovi B-side type music. Yeah, it's quite a cop movie. They use the whole thing. And then most of the images are them on holiday in... America, and it's a bit like Wish You Were Here, like Judith Chalmers, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it kind is. of montage. You think, oh, this looks great. Well, also, initially, you don't know they've gone to America. And one of the first images is them at the baseball. Yes. And you're like, 
what is this going to be like at the Swedish baseball? I don't understand. <laughs> but then also the montage contains all of the Scotland goals scored in the friendlies. So, which you come to next. So when they go 2-0 down against Switzerland, you know they're going to score two goals because you've just seen them in the long montage just before. Also, the montage is really long, but they still manage to just joltingly cut off the end of the song. <laughs> um, but it did make me very excited. did make yeah, me very excited. It also had like an air of Hollywood training montage from yeah. sport film, which really kind of made me feel like this is going to be cool. Yeah. Okay, my first note, I'm going to just send around a couple of pictures here. The first thing I've written oh. down is, this is something I've never really seen before. Look how many gingers are in this Scotland team. Well, they're, they're <laughs> Scottish. They're, yeah, but they're really Scottish. Stuart McCall, Gordon Jury. I can't look out if you're saying there's too many or too few. <laughs> I yeah. think there's too Richard few Goff. for the Scotland team. <laughs> but you never... It's <laughs> rare. Like, I can't even think of a ginger footballer now. You've got three you or four. Think of a possibly even five. Now. Gordon Jury. Stuart McCall, Gordon Strachan. Yeah, Richard Goff. Scotland is a famously ginger country. They're like the the trademark hat literally has ginger hair coming out from it in the when you wear the comedy version of the trademark hat, right? Isn't that their thing? I think Stuart McCall's got a lovely, luxurious hair. I was looking at Stuart McCall's hair and I was thinking, it's so well conditioned. I was actually really impressed with Stuart McCall's hair. I was shocked he was twenty eight, but there we go. I mean, talking of uh, people's looks. My first note I wrote down, well, my second note, actually, was Ali McCoist. Oh, yeah. What a handsome man. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Oh, he's so good-looking. What a good-looking man. Yeah, it's incredible. He's also totally at ease in front of the camera. Yeah, totally. That, that totally prefigures his career as, you know, question of sport captain. But my first note, just quickly before we get too far away from it, was um, I don't know if anyone else noticed it. This video is uploaded on the official Scotland national team is YouTube it? channel. Is it? Yeah, so it's, 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 it's their official YouTube channel. But there's a typo in the video title, which really made me laugh. And I know it's it's not fun to pick at typos, but I think if it's the official Scottish FA YouTube channel, yeah. you should spell the word scenes in behind the scenes correctly. Or how do they spell it? They, they spell scenes s-c-c-n-e-s oh that's a and I that's, just that's wondered... just a typo that's not an intentional this spell they don't know they know how to spell it yeah but but is that I reflective how to spell it <laughs> oh what, do you think it's a, is it, do you think it's a muck joke no i just wonder whether it's, <laughs> oh, right. it's it's a typo that's happened and no one spotted it and, it and is that reflective of the kind of the standard and quality and diligence of the Scottish FA. You know, does it, rocks does it reach down that far that there's typos in YouTube uploads? I now, I now understand why there were so many adverts, because there's an incredible amount of YouTube adverts. And I was thinking, who the fuck's uploaded this and shoved a load of adverts? They can't be making... But if it's a Scottish FA, it makes total, total sense. Um, so it's good that they haven't distanced themselves from it. They see this as one of their... So their this heritage. is an official... Yeah, this is yeah. their heritage. Um, it starts... We see their goals against... Um, in the qualifying to beat Bulgaria and draw with Switzerland, I think. And then we have a bit where they've filmed the Umbro factory set to classical music, making their shirts. This, this was fascinating. Seeing yeah, how it football kits are made. I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, that was my favourite bit. I could have watched was that for it? 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, I was like, more of this. Really? Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Get, get Greg Wallace down there. <laughs> like, when they're cutting the material into, like, the shirt size, and it's stacked about 40 shirts deep, and they're using a sort of, like, an industrial jigsaw to cut it. I was like, I would watch, I would watch an entire shirt-making process, VT, from start to finish. I loved it. Do you think it's still in 2023 handmade in that way no it's also surely not made in cheshire anymore <laughs> no <laughs> what about that lady who was knitting the kits together is doing now they're all unemployed <laughs> yeah looking at the age of them some of them are dead <laughs> frankly, <laughs> like, if you, if, quite frankly in the umbro factory once you reach a, once you reach a certain age you just feed yourself into the machine <laughs> <laughs> They press a number onto your back. Yeah, and you come out as thread. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I looked up why Umbro's called Umbro. I didn't know this. Oh, Do you wow. know this? Mm, no. no. Umbro is short for the Humphreys brothers. Is it? That's yeah. not good um, enough, is it? Um, um from Humphreys. Yeah. Umbro. Umbro. Yeah. And is it an English company? Yeah. It's like... Because huh. I was thinking, like, that was... 
Am I right in saying that that was like the heyday of Umbro? Umbro's much yes. less kind of, you know. Yeah. Are they are even any a thing anymore? teams that have Umbro now? No, West Ham, West Ham, we still do. We still, still do. do you? Yeah. It's making a resurgence, isn't it, Umbro? I think it's kind of oh, back here we again. go. <laughs> <laughs> we were just discussing if it still existed. <laughs> well, I think we're in the heyday now, to be honest. Really good. <laughs> <laughs> I've just gone on the Umbro website. And um, I'm not saying that they've... Uh, is it clearly a 90s website as well? Like, is it on Geo, well, Umbro. They've got, Geo Cities. Four, they've got a f- picture of four cool teens in Umbro. And the um, the name of the collection is the MTV Collection by Umbro. Another brand that is definitely in its heyday. I can't believe they bagged MTV in 2023. In association with Blockbuster. <laughs> Oh, oh, there we go. But yeah, they are in their heyday, obviously. So then we go on the North American tour, which starts with them going to the baseball dressed in cricket whites. Yeah, cricket whites. Like yeah. Is that like a squad gag? Got, got to be a mistake. No, it's not a mistake. They're made by Umbro as well, those jumpers. Do you think? Oh, what, do you, what do you think on the way out, they, they're shooting that footage at the factory? They go, do you want another cricket jumpers? Can't shift them. Yeah, just whack a Scotland badge <laughs> on them. We'll take them to America with us. <laughs> It's got to be a joke, hasn't it? It's got to be like a squad joke. We'll go to the baseball ball dress in cricket whites, hasn't it? I wondered about this because I wasn't sure whether maybe they... I don't know enough about golf. Is it possible they're golf jumpers? Because they do golf in them later oh, on. Oh, yeah. And they yeah, are Scotland. Maybe. But uh, I don't yeah, know maybe. about golf. No, I don't know. But then why wear it to the baseball? And why all go dress... Surely you can wear your own clothes to the baseball bit. Yeah, well, the first thing I saw was Craig Brown dressed in it before I saw <laughs> the other players. And I thought, Craig Brown's a hoot. Like, <laughs> Craig Brown's trying to keep up squad morale by dressing in a funny outfit for the baseball. He looks even cuddlier, doesn't he? He looks even cuddlier in a cricket. He looks white. even cuddlier. I I think you know when you find out a celebrity's a prick, I think Craig Brown would be the worst <laughs> to find <laughs> disappointing. The biggest disappointment in the world would be to find out that Craig Brown's a prick. Um and then we have the golf. There's a lot of behind the scenes which you is kind of what you'd expect, would you say? Do you know what's really clear as well is that we've seen a lot of these documentaries, but I do actually think this team got on. They do yeah, seem, yeah. it does seem to definitely. be like a lot of morale. Even with someone like Duncan Ferguson, who you'd think was terrifying, spiky character. Was he there? I didn't yeah. see him. Young Dunk. Young Dunk. Uh, they all seem to be getting on. There's a lovely, yeah, lovely rapport. There's a nice voiceover from Andy Roxborough where he talks about how if players are friends, they'll pass to each other. Oh, yeah, I love that. And he's like, you'll always yeah. pass to your pal. And I, I won't do the accent again, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's quite a nice sort of... His strategy is that basically if they're friends, they will all pass to each other. And yeah. surely you still pass to people if you're not friends with them. You I don't, don't look up. Yeah, you, it's not the schoolyard, is it? Like, <laughs> surely when you're 2-0 down against Germany, you're not looking out for your mate. <laughs> like, I remember, I, I, I read a thing, not to give anything away, but obviously... Denmark go on to win this tournament and I remember reading something in oh, I don't know one of those what's that like sort of footballing journal I can't remember what it's called when Saturday, when Saturday comes, comes yeah yeah I read a thing in that about how why they won mm. and they basically put it down to like how much fun they were having during the tournament and there's a bit where they're in the bus and it's like after the semi-final and they get in the bus and they're driving back to where they're staying and they go past a sign for a crazy golf course and one of the players goes <laughs> Can we go to the crazy golf course? And the manager's like, yeah, you know what? We can. And basically, just at, every, at every stage, when there was a chance to do something fun, they would always do it. Oh. And, that, and that became their strategy, basically. It's like, we'll always do the fun thing. And then it worked. Do you think that Euro 92 was the most fun tournament? for the? T- this was the year of fun. for the. T- we've got two out of the eight teams are having the absolute time of their life. And England, like, I think, did very badly right in this tournament. Yeah, yeah, horrific. Yeah. I assume they weren't having fun. They weren't having fun. There was no laugh to be had. Like, the amount of different sports... There's a bit where they they go shooting. Yes. And you know when the gun really goes back into the shoulder and you see them flinching? And you're like, should you be doing this? Like, ahead <laughs> yeah, of a major well, international tournament. I think it's Brian McClare that misjudges the recoil and gets smashed in the face a bit. And yeah, sort of like holds his jaw on his lip like oh fucking hell and you can see he's clearly quite hurt but doesn't want to sort of show it for the for the camera but that was one of the things across this sort of what struck me was like the difference between how players and squads spent their time 
back then compared to now you know i know it's obvious pre-iphone pre-internet but they've got so little to do with their time you know they go to a theme park and go on roller coasters they go clay pigeon yeah. shooting imagine if you were at Alton towers before the world cup and like Declan Rice and Harry Kane just got on the roller coaster next to you. You'd think you were hallucinating. <laughs> this feels like if someone said to me Southgate saw this documentary and it gave him a load of ideas, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It feels like what Southgate's done to the England team, but obviously he's been more by the times he's not been able to do the same kind of things. The the mood feels similar to the Southgate and and the Wales team of, you know, twenty sixteen onwards that kind of positivity yeah and Andy Roxburgh he's loved by the fans let's talk about that but there's a bit where they lose and he goes to the fans he's called he's actually called out to speak to the fans isn't he yeah I think they say he's summoned they sort of put a request can he come out and speak to them which as an England fan you just think oh god this is going to get stuff thrown why, why would you what are you doing don't go out there and they sort of just want to kind of drunkenly serenade him and ask you a sort of impromptu Q&A <laughs> and he absolutely nails the Q&A yeah he nails it totally gets the tone right wonderful wonderful few what, gags so in says, there Bertie Vote said to me can you beat the CIS for us and I said Bertie's a pal first and foremost I said that <laughs> I was very clear about that I said no I could, we'll beat them for ourselves and you're like but, oh. um, so back to America uh, can we talk about the two matches they play in America? Yes. And, yes. And the guest of honour? The guest of honour at the, at the USA. <laughs> fucking incredible. I, when they said there's a guest of honour, my mind was like, it's going to be George Bush or Bill Clinton. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sean Connery, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's gonna be, this is going to be massive. And I, I didn't get his name, which is awful. Tom Sutherland. Tom Sutherland. I wrote it down, a, I'm not sure why. Yeah, who was a hostage in Beirut. But, and I'm going to say, um, not even one of the headline hostages. No, when it said hostage <laughs> in Beirut, I thought, Terry Waite's flown out. <laughs> Terry Waite said no. <laughs> Terry Waite said no. So is Tom Sutherland an American hostage in Beirut, presumably? Yeah, you'd assume so. I assume Americans would have heard of him, maybe. Like, even to this day, in the same way that we all know Terry Waite. Yeah. Would you... I suppose... You could picture a game where England were playing in... Yeah, he's American. Um, you could picture a game where England were playing in 1992 and Terry Waite was the guest of honour. I'd I buy that, actually. It's just a, it's quite left field. I think yeah, just it just brings is. the mood down. Like, <laughs> what, what, what are we cheering and celebrating yes. here? It isn't a great booking, is what, is what I'm saying. Are you saying he hasn't achieved much, but he should have got away? <laughs> Well, I don't know the details of that particular. Did he get away or was he rescued? He was rescued. He was rescued. He was, he was, he was a hostage for six years. Oh, well done, mate. <laughs> he was the second longest held captive after Terry Anderson. I, I think tonally it's a strange booking to bring on as a, oh, as a guest on. of honour. I was reading about Thomas Sutherland. He used to play, he was signed for 17 years old for Rangers. <laughs> so that is, like, I'm serious. So actually, That's not true. It is true. It is what? true. What? Thomas Sutherland. Oh, yeah. Thomas Although he's American, yeah, he was it born, was true. He was born in Falkirk, but and he was signed <laughs> at 17 years old by Rangers. Hang on, I take it all back. This is completely appropriate. It's the perfect booking. It's the perfect, it's the perfect booking. booking. So that was good. And then there's this weird commentary on the Canada one. So just 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 on the American game, yeah. do you have this feeling like you know how Americans don't really as a nation, haven't really embraced football yeah. in, in, in the same way that the rest of the world has. Yeah. And so whenever you watch Americans going to a football match and they're treated to like a stodgy 1-0, yeah. you just think, oh, could it not have been a 4-3? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's like another example of Americans having to sit through what looked like quite a crap match. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, not many of them. Those 12,000 aren't coming back, are they? No. It just reminds me of that bit in The Simpsons where they're watching football and they're just passing back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Is it like a nil-nil between them? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's the game also where McCoist is meeting the fans and gets told he's won the Golden Boot, which is quite yeah. nice. What a moment. I was amazed that he won the European Golden Boot. He scored 34 goals in 38 games that season. And he's 30 years old. He's 30 years old. He looks yeah. about 92. Yeah, he looks incredible. Um, 
Gary McAllister is 27 in this tournament. What? Yes. <laughs> 27? I would say Ali McCoyst is younger than Gary. Think about it. He, what? Yeah. Gary McAllister in 1992, he was 27. Yeah, is that like a sort of Ali McCoyst, Dorian Gray thing going on with him where like the older he gets, the younger Ali McCoyst gets? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If you look at the squad pictures in that sticker book that Chris sent through, Ali McCoy is actually sapping the life force from the entire <laughs> Scotland squad like some kind of like goal-scoring vampire. <laughs> Where is Gary McCaster? Yeah, Gary McCaster. So yeah, he's, I mean Gary McCaster is only fifty-eight now, and I feel like that's how old he was when he retired in like two thousand four. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So was Gordon Strachan in in the team? Because you've sent this thing through no. with Gordon Strachan on. I didn't see him in the. Film. No, actually, Andy Roxburgh does make reference to Gordon Strachan having quit and not oh, being, or like it's like he retired after the, or he's too old at this point. So Gordon Strachan doesn't make the squad, even though he's made it into the sticker album. So maybe he didn't retire, maybe he just didn't make the squad. Um, the commentary on the Canada game is incredible because it's it's how you imagine Americans commentate, and there's a pundit who has the fact that Gary McAllister takes free kicks and penalties as his big fact and brings it up. Tw- you only see three clips and he brings it up twice. <laughs> so he's loading up a free kick and he goes, he takes free kicks and penalties and then he gets a penalty and the guy says he's their penalty and free kick taker. He's absolutely buzzing that he's done this bit of research. And then then they go to, so sorry, do they then go to Sweden after that? Well, they go to Niagara Falls uh, oh, in a it. helicopter, which they soundtrack with Ride of the Valkyries and a little tip of the hat to uh, <laughs> Apocalypse Now, which is a bit strange. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, from back to Scotland. And this is my favourite bit. Well, not my favourite, one of them, is they really fucking go for it for Stuart McCall's 28th birthday. Yeah, they yeah, love it. it's mad. Surely, in a squad, and there must be 50 people around, there must be birthdays all the time. There must be more than one player having a birthday in that period. Also, it's like he's nine, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it just all feels a bit weird. Well, the celebrations begin. They dump him in the fountain. And yeah, then bit there's of fun. A, then there's a press conference, I think, next. And the first thing that's discussed is Stuart McCall's birthday in the press conference. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, isn't it? First of all, Stuart McCall is 28 today. Um, yeah. So. And, then, and, then, and then there's a live interview, it seems like, live television with the squad. And <laughs> with then Gary in the Newbon, middle, I think. Gary Newbon. And then Stuart McCall, yeah, surprised with a, a massive cake. It's enormous. Yeah. I like Stuart McCall's quote, which is, um, what did you get for your birthday from the team? And he said, Gary McAllister made me tea with honey in. <laughs> which I... Th- <laughs> Which I thought was very... And then Gary Newborn kind of correctly goes, oh, yeah, because you're rooming with him. And it creates such a lovely image of Stuart McCall waking up in his hotel room and Gary's like, happy birthday, Stuart, and puts a cup of tea on his shelf. He knows how he likes it. And I just thought that's a really sweet moment. I'm not saying Gary McAllister is old before his time, but has any of us made a cup of tea for someone at 27 years old and put honey in it? Well, that's an interesting thing, I was aware of honey until I was at least 32. Can I ask a question that maybe we can't answer? Who's providing the honey in that situation? Because <laughs> McCall and McAllister brought the honey to, to the hotel room because that's Stuart loves honey in his tea, so Gary's you, brought it. I think you put a call into Craig Brown and say, Craig, can, you, can, you, can we have the honey this morning? <laughs> It's his birthday. Craig Brown's waddled down the hallway like Winnie the Pooh with his little jar. <laughs> yeah, with a pot, a full porcelain full pot. Of honey. The problem he is, scoops it out with his hand. The problem is, Craig Brown's got both his hands stuck in the two honey pots. <laughs> Obviously, this is um, an official Scottish FA product, which maybe explains this. But at no point do you see anyone drinking alcohol, which for the time... Yeah. Like, would they all got smashed when it was his birthday? Or Yeah, yeah. that is true. I, I, there's only one moment where, actually, and I've, I forgot to write this down, but when they go, um, Ali McCoyst goes fishing with someone. I can't remember who it is. Andy Gorham. Andy Gorham. At the end of that fishing, oh, McCoyst yeah. looks like he's had a few, he's had a few <laughs> he drinks. He's, he's got no, don't a, they make a, a reference about going to the bar? I think maybe at the oh, end possibly. of that. Could we move on to my favourite bit of the documentary? unless anyone's got anything they want to discuss before this, which is the meeting before the first game. Now, this is extraordinary. This is the most extraordinary bit of the, of the whole programme yeah. for me. 
And Incredible. I think you're thinking about the second half of it, but can we just touch on the first half where Andy Roxburgh's gathered them all together, there's a tactics board up, and he's just talking them through the logistics of the day. Yeah. yeah. So he's going, <laughs> and this really the bus him is up. at 1.45, and then you're, um, you need to be out on the pitch at 2.15, and then you need to be lining up at 2.45. It, but I, this convinced me that he was the assistant, because I was like, this is something, this is the admin that I would expect an, an <laughs> yeah, assistant Craig to do. Craig Brown's like, you go out and do your yeah, shit, do, and then I'll come on and wow him. Tell him about the anthems. Yeah there's, yeah, there's no way Pep's doing that, is there? No, like, there's no. On the pitch. No. Did you notice with the anthems... He said, um, "I don't know what Anson they'll have, yeah. th- they'll be doing. So, but just you know, but just go for it, whatever." And I was like, "What's this?" So I looked it yeah. up, and there are like a, a couple of different Scotland anthems. So there's Scotland the Brave, yeah. There's also Flower of Scotland. Oh, and they basically weren't sure what which one they were going to play, but they just had to make a good fist at whichever <laughs> one started playing once the anthem began. <laughs> incredible I think then later on I was watching it and they play Scotland the Brave but they were hoping I think for Flower of Scotland one of them says it was a bit confusing (laughs) surely you're allowed to request your own anthem aren't you yeah it's really bizarre he does all this logistics chat and then I couldn't believe this happened at the end of the logistics chat he moves into the tactics chat with the phrase right let's rattle through this then (laughs) and you're like (laughs) surely that's the bit you should be focusing on. Like you've you've spent so long, but it's all really an amuse bouche for the, the the headline bit, which is before we get into that, Michael, you're going to have a field day here. I've got to ask about Scotland's numbers. Have you noticed this? This is the yeah, most. It's <clears throat> like number three or something. All over the place. So you've got McKinney, the the number nine is at right back. McPherson, the number eight is a centre back. McStay, a kind of attacking midfielder, is number three. Ali McCoist wears number five as striker. Malpass, number four, a left back. This is not good what's enough. What's going on, Michael? Michael, what's going on? Are they trying to bamboozle the, the Dutch? <laughs> what, what I will say is, I mean, it looks like every single player in that squad, their surname starts with M. <laughs> yeah, because I was just like, I, I think I've got to the bottom of it. Go on. I haven't got the stats to back me up, but I stand by them, looking at the names of the players. So Andy Gaunt gets number one because he's in goal. Excluding the goalies, I think you get given your number depending on how many caps you've had for the club Ooh. country. Ooh, that's not a bad shout. So Richard Goff, who was a big player, wasn't he, in the 80s? He's number two, so he's had the most. And then you've got Paul McStay, who's a big deal. And then Morris Malpass, who we know has got 50 caps because it happens. He joins the Hall of Fame at that point. Yeah. Then McCoyce, number five. McClare, number six. They're all the big players, so I'd say it's done on caps. That's my theory. No, yeah, so I've just found I've found something that confirms a version of that. Scotland squad numbers were oddly based on the number of caps won. Oh, there you go. From, oh, wow. from, I should go on um, that, that Victoria Cora Mitchell thing. What's that you're called? Like, you're like Jonathan Creek. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Goff and Gorham, uh, so yeah, I think with a couple of exceptions that you've you've nailed that. Here we go. Oh, so Goff isn't the biggest, most capped. No, I think because he's captain, possibly. Oh, he gets right. Number two. Well, there we go. Amazing. Right, the big moment. Do you want to talk us through it, Chris? If it's the one I'm thinking about, it is. It's got to be. It's. <laughs> it's. I'd say. We'll talk about Morris Malpass joining the Hall of Fame. I'd say <laughs> this is Hall of Fame moments in quickly caring documentaries we've ever watched. So basically, it involves the television. Yeah. He, he gestures at the television and he goes, there's something I'd like to show you. And I was quickly doing the mental maths to work out where the Braveheart was out. <laughs> or had been released. <laughs> and I thought, surely not. We're not going to watch Braveheart. on <laughs> the game. Imagine also, you think you're, that's why he's got to rattle through the tactics because he's got a full <laughs> movie. Two, two and a half hours. <laughs> Hope you've had a piss, guys, because I've got good news. <laughs> but sadly, Braveheart, Braveheart hadn't hadn't come out at no, this time. No, and when he get, he puts on the video and it starts to play, and I was like, oh, are we going to be able to tell what this video is? And then it cuts to it full screen. Like, yeah, they, we are in for a treat here, I thought. Aside from it being quite boring, I actually thought the final line of it, I think, actually does Scotland a massive disservice, which is in the American voiceover to say, it's only one small step from London, a little country yeah. called Scotland. 
Yeah, <laughs> like, <that's> a... <laughs> that should not yeah. be the defining thing about it. No, where do you think he's found it? What didn't he say at the start? Someone sent it in. Someone in the squad sent it in. Or Ali McCoy's had seen it. I thought there's a comment nah. at the start where he goes, oh, so-and-so's seen this or we sent it in. I couldn't believe it. It Here can't it be one of the members of the squad, can it? What a nerd. They'd absolutely... <laughs> people would be tearing them to shit. Pat Nevin, probably. Like, people absolutely tearing into them after the meeting. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I assume it's made by like, the Scottish Chamber of Commerce or something. It's a kind of... Yeah. When it started... I thought he was going to show them the moon landing. Yes, yeah, so did I. Yeah, so I thought, did that's I. crazy because surely yeah. everyone's digested that that has happened. And well, I thought it was going to be something like what you didn't know is Neil Armstrong was actually born in Kakaldi or something like that. Do you know? Like, <laughs> I thought it was going to be something like that. Buzz Aldrin was drinking Iron Brew in the moon landing. <laughs> so it starts, and it, it, I thought he was going to show them the moon landings. And then I found it quite confusing. And then in, there was just a list of inventions. Yeah. And I thought, I genuinely thought, this is a video of everything that America has achieved. And that he would be like, and we can be like America. <laughs> and I, was, and I was really confused. And then right at the end, they go, no, it's like, these are all things that Scotland has achieved. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with the moon landings. There's no, no. link between Scotland and the moon landings. And the, I, can't, I can't remember, f for the listening audience, I can't remember whether they read out all of the inventions that come down. I no, think I they're just they listed. Do. Yeah, they're just listed. So I wrote some down. The clutch, <laughs> the modern plough, the asphalt road, antibiotics, the sextant, and the paraffin. <laughs> and basically the idea was that I think the players' chests were meant to swell with pride yeah. being from the same heritage as the person who invented paraffin. <laughs> And they would somehow turn this into on-field success. Yeah. If we can invent paraffin, we could at least get a point against the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 weirdly it's weirdly non non-motivational. I think it's, yeah. it's it also reminded me of when I was in school, and this I guess was in the nineties. You know when teachers had to do an assembly, yeah, and they had to think of something to talk about. And even as a kid, you got the sense that sometimes they were really reaching for stuff to talk about. And I remember we we got back from summer holidays one year and our head of year, who was the PE teacher, um, did a whole assembly about how when he was on the beach on holiday, I listened to this album. Oh, it was amazing. Uh, it's it's called Play by Morby. And uh, I, I, it's so relaxing. And I just thought, it's the first day of term. I'm going to play you a song from this album by Morby. And it will put us in a great frame of mind for the rest of the year. And then he put, you know, the one that was on all the adverts. Yeah. And then that was the end of the assembly. And I thought this had a very similar vibe, kind of like making a big play with a bit of media, but yeah. maybe not really hitting the mark. Um, do you know, once I worked on the, I was working on the one show, and uh, Dom Littlewood was filling in. This is the early one show, filling in. Yeah. It, was, it was alongside Christine Lampard, then Blakely, and uh, first day on the job, and they were like doing a rehearsal and he sat down he went you right Christine do you like music and she went yeah 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 he went I'm going to see Celine Dion tomorrow night <laughs> and then just let it hang look <laughs> <laughs> at his head that was a big talking point I had a meeting um, with a, a high, person quite high up in TV and they came in and they had their iPod and they had big headphones on and they sat down I kind of took off the headphones like, and, and plonked the phone down in full view, you know, like, so you could see, you're thinking, you've done that so I could see, right? And they plonked their phone down and they were listening to Ella Funk by the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, they lose to Holland and Germany. Un unfortunately so and they're all really positive about it. I think they're actually if anything too negative about losing to Holland and Germany and what I mean is Andy Roxburgh is almost more believing they're going to get a point or a win than I would have thought they were if that makes sense yes yes no I agree I think but you can't go into a game any game going god boys I mean it's Holland so we're fucked <laughs> They sort of have to pretend they can win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, right, you're right, you're right, you're right. But that Holland team's incredible as well. It's like Van Basten, yeah, yeah, Burkamp scores a goal. You're like, yeah. I mean, they are amazing. 
They're absolutely brilliant. Um, the Germany game as well. I don't know if you noticed in the Germany game, <clears throat> throughout the whole the highlights, constant sound of bagpipes, which I thought <laughs> is such a the, weird uh, thing. It's such a strange instrument. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange instrument at the best of times. But just trying to play football against the then world champions while someone is playing bagpipes incessantly, it can't be good for the concentration, even if you're Scottish. By the way, how... How good does Euro 92 look? It looks brilliant. It looks really good, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. But except for the, it's got that weird thing that one of the games they play, I think it may be the Germany game, where you've got a stand that kind of ends three quarters of the way down the touchline, and then you can just see a lovely little car park right, right <laughs> next to the pitch. I, I like that. That's what I mean, like the scale of it, it, it feels quite small in a way. Yeah. It's quite nice. Yeah. Like, yeah. None of the stadiums are that big. When they leave the stadium, they seem just to walk through the public to get to the bus. Yeah. Like, it definitely feels like a different era in a really nice way, I think. Totally. Totally. And also the 90s in this... Like, I've done this podcast with you before a couple of times, and we watched a thing... I can't remember what it was, but it was set in, like... What did we watch? Like, a lower league thing, basically. Gillingham, like, 97, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Gillingham, yeah, in the 90s. And and it, it just made the 90s look really grim, I think. Yeah. And then this makes the 90s look really nice. Yeah. Like, they just have a nice time. They go to all these nice places. Play, I would have assumed that playing for Scotland in the 90s would have been quite crap. And, like, yeah. they wouldn't have had any money. And, like, I know that playing for Wales in the 90s was terrible. Like, they didn't even have enough kit sometimes. And, like, they yeah. they'd have to train in the park and all this. But yeah. Scotland looked like quite a well-funded side. They, It's all yeah, quite proper. They don't, it's, it's all quite nice. They've got a nice bus. They've got, you know, it's all quite good. They're going to America. I think what you're trying to say is Sweden in 92 is better than Gillingham in 97. <laughs> that is the judgment <laughs> I came boil to, yes. down your opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sweden is Chicago nice. Chicago in 92 looks a lot nicer than Gillingham in 97. <laughs> I, found, I found a nice little quote about um, a nice detail of their time there at that, that tournament. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, uh, Scotland travelled 200 miles east to Norcoping Nor- for their remaining two games. The squad stayed deep in the countryside beyond the old cotton mill city in a hotel with no other guests. Entertaining themselves became important. There were singing contests and horse racing nights. Roommates Brian McClare and Pat Nevin linked their Nintendo Game Boys and played Jack Nicholas Golf and Scrabble. <laughs> One staff member had access to a video library of movies. If there was a particular film Pat and I wanted to watch, we could ask for it and then go and sit in the TV room, Brian McClare says. Usually with Pat, it was some avant-garde thing in black and white. What a a lovely picture of their experience there. That's what I'm saying. I want to be part of the Scotland team. Honey and tea in one room, Game Boys in the other. Yeah, watching the third man with Andy Gorham in the TV room. (laughs) (laughs) I like that no one else apart from McClare and Pat Nevin. What McClare and Pat Nevin, they sound like there's no one else around. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no one else wants themselves. to go in the film room. It's just Brian McClare sitting there pissed off at Pat Nevin's choice again. When they leave the hotel, do you see all the staff come out? They all look really Swedish and they're like, they have some signs that say, we'll miss you. I was like, oh, that's so oh. nice. And all the Scotland I team it was like waving. a sort of Swedish women's football team that they've been carrying on with. That's what it felt like, didn't it? Like, because what are they dressed in? Are they dressed in Scotland kit? Well, there's a, there is a bit where their their motorbike. This is how charming the Scotland team are. Their motorbike convoy to the ground strip off halfway through into Scotland kits. Did you clock that? Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I didn't fully understand that. Was that sort of a kind of show of allegiance yeah. towards their? I think the Scottish are such great guests that you can't help but be uh, won over by them. Um, and so then they play the CIS in their final game, and I've never wanted. I wanted them to win so much. Yes, absolutely. I didn't know the result, and so. I was desperate for them to win. It would have been a travesty if they'd gone home without a victory. It's a shame in a way that the only result they got was against a crumbling superpower. (laughs) That sort of, you know, players who don't even know what country they live in anymore. Um, I assume, you know, not even being paid necessarily. Like, it it feels like a bit of a shame that... Yeah. Because I think the USSR qualified and then ceased to exist. Yeah. Yeah. It's the football equivalent of uh, Tom Hanks' The Terminal. (laughs) <laughs> it very much is, yeah. But, but then they've just they've just lost to a souped-up Germany who have combined East and West Germany. So so they've got they you know they've they've got bonuses and negatives from the fall That's of uh, fall of communism in terms of their fixture play. I looked up um, the tournament just because I wanted to read about it, and 
I didn't realize there's only, there's only eight teams in yeah, the whole tournament. Yeah, it's just really right. big that they got there. Yeah, amazing. Like they're in the top eight teams in Europe. It's really mad that they got in. Yeah. And then on the Wikipedia page, it mentioned there's an official song of Euro 92, which is by some Swedish pop stars, which I listened to. And it's it's a great time like time capsule song because a lot there's lots of mentions of the Berlin Wall, so it's oh. like every goal is a hole in the wall. I'm like yeah, amazing, amazing. Like this tournament's going to bring the Cold War to an end. Do you think Scotland beating the CIS three 0 slightly slightly helped the end of the Cold? You know, just it hastened be- the end of the Cold War. <laughs> yeah, yes, I exactly. Would, I would say so. Yeah, but <laughs> would it be would it be awful to say it then led strongly to the rise of Vladimir Putin that three <laughs> 0 <laughs> Something far worse. Something <laughs> far worse happened due to that 3-0 victory. But you know CIS, you know there are the two results. So they obviously played uh, Germany and Holland as well and uh, yeah. picked up points in both of those games. They drew Did with Germany they? and they Did drew they? with Holland. Yeah. Oh. oh, wow. So the CIS were actually in, in it. If they beat in Scotland, they were through. Yeah, I think, I think so, yeah. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and then there's a lovely bit at the end where they have a team group photo taken. And not only do the... Did it say the journalists wanted to be in it, or did I miss that? I think he but, said the rest of the squad. They, the, the journalists wanted a photo of the 11, and he said, no, no, oh. no, it's got to be the whole squad. And then he gets a photo taken in front of the Scotland fans because they're the 12th man, which is lovely. Another another yeah. issue with the numbering system in the Scotland <laughs> squad. <laughs> Oh, it's it's a heartwarming doc. Oh, I thought a lovely footnote to this is the Scottish fans actually get an award. Have you spotted that from UEFA and the subtitles for just yes. for just being great? For, what it was something weird they said like just being contributing fantastically to the tournament or something. Which is not. I feel that they should do that for every tournament. That's a really good. Maybe yeah. they do, but I hadn't heard of I that. I think they do, don't they? Or I'm just, is it I, just because England never win it? England never win it because of all the garden furniture. Yeah. <laughs> I think they yeah. do give like a sort of best behaved thing out. I've I've definitely seen that in other tournaments. Yeah, it was nice. It, the whole thing at the end, the vibe you just have is like everyone had such a nice time. Yeah. And I wonder if, obviously this isn't a Scottish FA official thing. Yeah. I wonder if like in general, like the Scottish press were happy with their results and or whether they were just getting pilloried. And You've got to be, haven't you? I don't know. You just, you, it would be unfair, wouldn't it? I think. Well, he, stay, he he fails to qualify for the World Cup in 94, and that's when he gets the sack. Oh, is it? Right. Can I say one thing that never happens in England is that if you look at Andy Roxburgh's, I'm reading about Andy Roxburgh, and I'm looking at his honours. He's a officer of the Order of the British Empire, and uh, he won the Thistle Award for Outstanding Contribution to Football uh, from the National Playing Fields Association. And that was like, he won the SFWA Manager of the Year. And I clicked on it. And you know they do Manager of the Year in the Premier League? So in Scotland in 1990, they just gave it to the manager of Scotland because he qualified for the World Cup in Italia 90. So the manager, the Football Writers Association Manager of the Year is normally a club, but for one year only, it was given to Andy Roxburgh in 1990 for qualifying for the World Cup. I loved the documentary. I loved Andy Roxburgh. Any final thoughts on it? I love this Scotland team. I just really like, just yeah. a great bunch of guys. Good vibes. Good, Good vibes. vibes all round. It, yeah. make, it makes me want to find out more about Scotland's international team in the 90s because um, they were, they went to two more tournaments. Were Euro 96 and France 98 just as fun with Craig Brown in charge? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested though. Any final thoughts, Michael? No, just, I mean, my take home is just how pleasant it all was. It was just really, it was, do you know what it was like? It was like a cup of warm tea with a dollop <laughs> of honey from Craig Brown. <laughs> Being poured into your eyes. It was, it was, it was lovely. Michael, you've fallen, you've fallen for the puff piece, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Next time we'll, we'll watch the unofficial documentary of Euro 92, yeah. in which absolutely takes apart the fact that Scotland only got three points in a dead rubber game. <laughs> and that Andy Roxburgh blew the golden generation by not training, but instead taking on a series of exciting jaunts. <laughs> Uh, ben, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That was Ben Partridge. I would highly recommend listening to his Beef and Dairy podcast, which is um, absolutely brilliant. Now, should we do a quick quiz before we go? Let's do it. Shall we have a quick game of... Um, you've seen it there. Should we have a quick game of first 11? Germany versus Scotland, 1992. Blimey. Germany won 2 1. 
unfairly, according to Andy Roxborough. To start, Chris Skull. You can get one wrong and then you're on your death life. <laughs> Brian McClare. Correct. Uh, Ali McCoist. Ooh. Correct. Andy Gorham. Correct. I mean, he was featured a lot, so I'm going to go with Pat Nevin. I think he might be on the bench. He came on, so you get to guess again. Oh, I don't remember any of the German players. Uh, Klinsman. Correct. Rudy Voller. What? Incorrect, yeah. you lost a life. What are you joking? How is that possible? Well, the Rudy Voller didn't play for Germany. How is that possible? <laughs> no, <I don't> <laughs> he's, he's in the dock. Oh, man. I think he scored the first goal, Karl Heinz Riedler. Oh, God. Correct. That was my next guest. Uh... I mean, oh, you watched oh. the whole of the Scotland oh, squad. Stuart McCall. Yes. Uh, Gary McAllister. Yeah, takes oh, the penalty on the free kicks. Oh, um, Malpass. Maurice Malpass. Oh, shit. That's yeah. Annoying. I think it's Morris. <laughs> but yes, Maurice Malpass, yeah. <laughs> got, got his 50th cap. Um, I think Effenberg scored the second goal. Stefan Effenberg, yeah. One of my favourite named players of all time. Oh, um, oh, the German player we had on here. Bremer, Andreas Bremer. Yes, lovely, lovely bloke. Uh, I think I might have one left. Captain for the day. Andreas Muller. Correct. Oh, oh said with such sadness in his voice. That, that's me done. Um, McStay, but I don't remember his first name. Oh. I think it's one syllable, isn't it? It's like, yeah. This has got to low moment. I'm trying to guess McStay's oh. first name. Oh. <laughs> Absolute legend of the Scottish game. One of oh. Celtic's greatest ever players. Huge 90s name. This is a shameful moment for Chris Skull that he can't remember McStay's oh. first name. It's like one syllable. I want to say Dave. I'm not, I'm not actually not confident. <laughs> that's not, is it? Dave McStay. No, hang on, that's the fact. That's a sound right. It's not Dave. This is, this is the saddest know. end to an episode. Get your song ready, Michael. <laughs> Get your song choice ready to fire off as soon as he says, oh, as he locks in Dave McStay. I'm not locking that in because no, it's not right. But I can't forget that. You, 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 you said it. It should be If I just said McStay and didn't let on that, didn't know his first name, would I have got away with it? Well, we'll never know. <laughs> I've got no idea. It's Paul McStay. Uh, it's Paul McStay. Other options for Scotland there. Dave, Mc, Dave McPherson and Stuart McKimmy. I don't think either of those are going to get no. got. Jürgen Kohler. Gudu Butchwald. Budo Ilgner, obviously. Oh, Thomas Hassler. Come oh, that was gettable. Manfred Bins. I don't know who that is. But there you go. That's... um. There we go. Stefan Reuter coming off the bench. That's it for this week. Thank you to Daniel Thirsk for today's outro, which is this. Off your toddle, Chrissy Waddle. Go, Ledge! Hit Ledge! Hit Ledge over the top!